you have wandered into a story about people. People who love and live daylilies. Deep sit and enjoy the spoken word or grab your copy of Daylilies, a 50-year affair off the shelf. I'm Nikki Smith, the most recent past president of the American Daylilies Society, and I'll be your spoken word tour guide as we discover this 50-year affair. In this episode, I'll share the foreword written by a fellow past society president, the introduction penned by the author, and a few extra resources for you to discover before we get into the next episode. Many years ago, I had the pleasure of presenting Clarence Crochet with the Steve Moldovan Mentoring Award in front of his hometown crowd in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, during the national convention that year. It was a magical moment that I will never forget. In the show notes, there is a link to a portion of that presentation on the American Daily Society channel. It's a cool channel. There's a few other great videos out there, so you should subscribe if you're not already. It was a fun video to revisit. It's a fun moment to remember. Here is the foreword from Daylilies, A 50-Year Affair, written by Mr. Clarence. Foreword With this publication, the American Hemerocallus Society celebrates its golden anniversary. Daylilies, A 50-Year Affair, captures the essence of the development of the organization, its people, and the daylily. In 1946, the Midwest Hemerocallus Society was created in answer to Helen Field Fisher's call to have a get-together, a flower show, and a brown bag picnic at Henry Field's Nursery in Iowa. From these humble beginnings has come a society of more than 9,000 members. Under its new name, the American Hemerocallus Society, it has become international in scope, complex in nature, and the sole registrar of the genus Hemerocallus. Recently, as my wife and I had the occasion to make daily trips across the grounds of a new hospital, we noticed a group of landscapers adding a mixture of sand and pine bark to long, unplanted beds. Another group busied itself preparing other planting sites for shrubs and perennials. Eventually, all the beds were planted except for the long bed at the entrance of the hospital. When a final truck arrived with its quota of plants, we were surprised and pleased to see that it held a load of daylilies. As big clumps of our favorite plant were thrown from the truck, one planter asked, What are these? They're daylilies, another answered, and they make pretty flowers every year. Only a few years ago, this incident could not have taken place. Today, however, the daylily has come to the fore as a choice landscape plant, which is a reliable, good-blooming perennial capable of holding its own in almost any landscape setting. There is no doubt that the earliest hybridizing pioneers, such as Yeld, Perry, Stout, Krauss, and others, had their share of problems. Foremost, the daylily plants used in the hybridizing work were scarce and either too tall or mostly only shades of yellow or orange. The aim of these pioneers was simple, to produce hybrid daylilies in any other color but yellow or orange. 
One of their first breaks came with the production of a pink of sorts. Although it was not nearly a clear color by today's standards, it did represent a giant leap forward in hybridizing away from that yellow-orange rut. Here was the beginning for many hybridizers' journeys toward what we know as the daylily of today. Through the ensuing years, hundreds of hybridizers have made the daylily big and fat, skinny and long, tiny and round, flat and fluffy, wavy and fringed, and everything in between. Most of the known colors are here now, except for the purest whites and the truest of blues, which are eagerly being considered in many hybridizing programs. We remain closer to white than to the truly blue daylily that is yet a hopeful dream. In contrast, the 1949 yearbook quotes a very confident Dr. E.J. Krause, stating that, quote, The blue is not far off. I now have two seedlings, which are bright blue-purple. It remains to eliminate the red from these blue-purples and leave the blue. As we reflect through this book on the changes that have occurred in both the daylily and in our society, and as we ponder changes still to come, we should remember that it has just been 50 years since Shenandoah, Iowa. The germ of an idea proposed by Helen Field Fisher inspired the planting of seeds of enthusiasm and much more. The results have become the grand organization that continues to grow today, the American Hemerocallus Society. Signed Clarence J. Crochet, past president, American Hemerocallus Society, 1978 through 1979. On the following page are the author's acknowledgments. They are wonderfully written and very thoughtful. And what I found extra special reading through them was the fact that I still recognize many of the names that she mentions as people who are still active and contributing to the society today. Following those acknowledgments is the introduction penned by the author, Francis Gatlin. It captures the growing spirit of the organization. I spoke with Frances on the phone before I started this project, and she offered her full support and her gracious thanks for keeping the spirit of the society alive in this way. She shared fond memories of the writing and the editing of this book, and in the near future, I hope to present some short phone interview excerpts with her uh, for you. So I think that will be a neat texture to understanding the spirit of where we were during this first 50 years. Here's the introduction by Francis. Introduction The passage of 50 years is but the blink of an eye in the history of the Hemericalis and its christening by Linnaeus more than two centuries ago. Even modern daylily hybrids predate the American Hemericalis Society. So it is not the daylily's birthday we celebrate, but that of a society dedicated to promotion, development, an improvement of the genus. And with all due reverence to the continuity of that plant, it has never been the same since 556 single-minded gardeners converged on the small town of Shenandoah, Iowa, just 50 years ago. This book is concerned with the period from 1946 to 1996. 
the events are not always chronologically arranged, and there are lots of holes, hopefully not in the sense of inaccuracies, although that too is possible. These are stories as the members have seen and lived them, stories that are colored by the angle of a hundred different lenses. It is through a composite view that the broad picture emerges. At this writing, the AHS claims upwards of 9,500 members. Each is vital to the fabric of the society. Selecting a sampling for this book was akin to the agony of picking 10 favorite daylilies. The AHS awards and honors inspired choices in two cases. A, hybridizers who have been honored with the annual Bertrand Farr Award, and B, daylilies that have received the Stout Silver Medal. Both categories are given extensive coverage. For the first time, color photographs of all the Stout Medal winners are published as a group. This chronological record of each year's top cultivar award is an indicator of progress and direction in daylilies since 1950. The hybridizers have cooperated in an effort to show a collection of work that is being done today. No one can accurately read the crystal ball, but it's fun to try. The evolution of important functions of the society are covered in some detail, cultivar registration, publications, and awards and honors. The scientific research performed by the Society could not be adequately summarized in these pages, but two bibliographies offer references to studies done in and outside the Society. If all this seems a bit on the serious side, artist Steve Baldwin is standing by at the end with a different point of view. Most of all, this book is a celebration. As we look back on 50 years as an organization, we hope these pages will awaken pleasant memories for those who have lived them. New growers may well be grateful for some accomplishments already in place. Still others will see that the story is neither finished nor entirely rosy. Some goals remain just out of reach, and a few gremlins continue to dance on the edge of our complacency. There are enough new challenges to keep us busy for another 50 years. Meanwhile, let us pause to savor a past that is already directing the future. Happy anniversary, AHS. I think that's just enough to marinate on for now. If you want to read ahead, next episode, Chapter 1, Once Upon a Time. In the meantime, you should visit the American Daylily Society website at daylilies.org. Scoot on over to Facebook or Instagram and connect with me, and also join several active Facebook pages related to the Society and its flower. I'll do some extra commentary on my Facebook every time a new episode launches, and I'd love to have you as part of the conversation on my personal page. You can also do some research on the web where your local daily lovers are, and I also posted a link to the 2010 video footage from Clarence Crochet's Mentoring Award Acceptance Speech at daylilies.online forward slash podcasts. Don't forget, if you'd like to order one of the last available copies of this book in its final printing, you can do so on Amazon by searching for A 50-Year Affair. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening app and leave a review or a rating so we can get into the ears of more Daylily fans. 
Thank you to the American Daylily Society and the countless volunteers and enthusiasts who keep its legacy alive. And of course, thank you to all the curious listeners out there. Special thanks to the book's author, Frances Gatlin, for her nod of support for this passion project. I'm glad you're here, reliving this affair with me. Check out the show notes, and until the next chapter, be nice, y'all. It's easier. It's easier.